Turn with me, if you would, this evening to the Gospel account of John, chapter 10. And let's believe God together. We talked this morning about the fact, the Bible fact, that God is our provider. Amen. And Jehovah Jireh, or Yireh, as some scholars pronounce it, meaning the Lord who sees. And we talked about the word provision, that it means before seeing. And God is the God who sees before. The need knows what's coming up, and He is the God of preparation. Amen. Works out all the details in advance. He is before it, He precedes it, He prepares for it, and He provides. Hallelujah. And we need to have faith that God is our provider, just like we have faith that He's our Savior and our healer. And we need to hear about it. We need to feed ourselves. Just because you got excited a few years ago that God would prosper you, that's not enough. You've got to keep feeding your faith. If you don't, you'll get cold. It'll get weak. Your vision will begin to diminish. This is not the only thing you need to hear about. You need to hear about healing. Amen? You need to hear about the gifts of the Spirit. You need to hear about any number of things. Why? To keep your faith built up in all areas so that your vision grows and that you progress. And so I'm just stirred up in my spirit. Let's believe God for utterance and for you to get stirred up, all of us to get stirred up together, and our faith to rise up. Because I just sense in my spirit that both us... Phyllis and myself and our ministry and you have uh, diminished a little bit, cooled a little bit in our fervor and our vision and our faith for prosperity. I didn't say we'd give it up. I didn't say we'd turn from it. I said cooled a little bit. Just not as excited about some things as we were at one time. And not as expectant. Expectation and excitement go hand in hand. And that reveals where your faith set. If you're not expecting anything and, and not excited about something, you're not in faith. If we're really where we need to be in this thing, we're going to be so excited. I said so excited about what, even though we hadn't seen it yet, so excited about what God is doing for us in every area, yes, spiritually, yes, mentally and physically, but also financially and materially excited. Amen. Excited about what God's going to do, taking care of us, getting us out of debt, getting us in good shape and blessing us and making us a blessing. Hallelujah. That we can be a blessing to our family. Amen. And a blessing to our neighbors and a blessing to our church and a blessing to our mission outreaches. Amen. How many would like, you know, when this project is presented in the church, that your biggest challenge would be that you sit there and go, now, Lord, you want me to do all of this? Or you want me to do half of it? How much you want me to do? God's got to you somebody. Right? You're to be some of the somebodies. It's a joy. It's, it's a glorious thing to be used of God to meet needs. Isn't it? The Lord used us on numerous occasions to pay off things for people. What a joy it is. I said, what a joy. Why? Because you're tapping into the heart of God. That's the way He is. The Bible said that God delights in showing mercy. This is his thing. Did you hear that? What does God enjoy? What does what ministers to God? People letting him bless them. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the earth. He's scanning. And he has a good scanner. What's he scanning for? Somebody whose heart, the King James says, is perfect towards him. Don't let that word perfect throw you. It just means wholehearted. Wholehearted towards him. What does he want to do? He wants to show himself strong on their behalf. And all the believers and Christians, and your house should show up. You should show up. Amen. Why? Because you're wholehearted towards him. 
And and not covetous, not just selfish and self-centered. You want to bless somebody. And you can't bless somebody when it's taking all the faith you got to pay your electric bill. We got to get we got to get beyond that. You understand what I'm saying? When you're so far in debt and paying so much interest, it's just eating your lunch. And God can get us out of that. But before you'll see changes in paying off debts, before you're going to see changes in your checking account or in your pocketbook or purse, the changes have got to happen inside. Inside your heart, inside your soul, inside your mind. Miracles happen inside first. Then they happen outside. So don't wait till you see money pouring in the account. Then you're going to get excited. It doesn't work that way. You've got to get excited right here, right now. Hallelujah. That God is my provider. Hallelujah. He's able to get me in good shape so I can pay off stuff for people. I can write big checks to the ministry. I can do things for my mom and dad. I can do things for the neighbor across the way that I hardly know. Amen. And we're heading that way. Glory to God. So say it out loud again, God. Is not only my Savior, not only my healer, He is also my provider. Hallelujah. He's my pro- you couldn't say it too much. He's my provider. My provider. You can't talk for everybody. You can't believe for everybody. You can't make everybody's decision. But for yourself, you can be fully persuaded. That God takes good care of me. He meets every one of my needs. He blesses me. I never lack. I never want. I never have to do without. Because he provides for me. Do you know when we're not well provided for, it is a negative reflection on our Lord. Our state and condition is a direct reflection on him. He is the good shepherd. Right? Let me give you this little scenario. What if you grew up in another country where they still shepherd sheep like they did centuries ago? And there are places in the world where they still shepherd sheep just like they did back in the days of Jesus. And you, you grew up in a small village where they did this. And you heard tell for years about this good shepherd. I mean, he was famous. The good shepherd. They were of such and such village, a good shepherd. You kept hearing about him. One day, you hear he's, bring, he's coming and bringing his flock through your village, traveling to somewhere else. You hear about him. So you run to the little trail and, and you look down and there he comes and there's the uh, flock behind him. And as he gets closer and closer, you see him and he is a splendid individual. I mean, he's got a beautiful robe, ornamented staff. I mean, his facial features are so noble, and he's just a grand, masterly individual. You think, yep, that must be him. He's, he, that must be the one I've heard about. Then as he passes through, you know, you're in awe of him. He passes by, and, and you look back, and there's his flock coming behind. And the closer you look, you think, man... That's a pitiful looking bunch. (laughs) I mean, the ones in the front are the strongest, and they're so poor, their little ribs are showing. And the ones in the back are so weak that they're staggering around and can barely keep up. And the ones in the back have got broken legs that they're dragging along. And you can tell they've been broken a long time and haven't been set. And you see some in the back, it's got these big wounds and gashes in their side. It's obvious that a wolf or something got a hold of them, but they haven't been treated. They haven't been taken care of. The flock is poor and malnourished. The flock is sick. The flock is injured and not tended to. What would you think? (laughs) You think, well, I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what they say. I can look at his flock and tell. He is not a good shepherd. We may not have wanted to think about this, but our condition and our state is a direct reflection on our shepherd. Isn't it? 
And that's the reason why some people have not been excited about becoming a Christian. Because some people that are, they're broke, they're sick, they're depressed, they're miserable. Not, don't have victory in any area. And they're telling their relatives or friend that God put this sickness on them. And that God decided that they couldn't handle money so he didn't give them any. And let their stuff get repossessed. And then right after all this, they tell them, you know, don't you want to join the flock? Don't you want to get saved and let Jesus be your Lord? And they're thinking, no thanks. They already got a shepherd like that. That steals and kills. Oh, but when, even though everybody else's kids are sick, yours are healthy. And kept. Everybody else's business is going under and you have to open up a new branch. Did you hear me? The storm comes through and tears up everybody else's stuff around you, but yours stands. Hallelujah. After enough of this, people begin to go, what is the deal with you? (laughs) See, sometimes we've thought what the worse we looked... It kind of gave God glory. And I know people didn't mean this, but theologians, I guess they're afraid we were going to show Jesus up. Did you hear I guess some people are afraid that if we look too good, it's going to kind of show Jesus up and make him not look so good. That we all got to be broken down so that he shows up good. Are you kidding me? No, the more blessed we are, the stronger we are. Hallelujah. The more glorious God wants to get us to the place as his ambassadors, as his representatives, until people look at us and are tempted to make too much out of us. They look at us and they go, whoo, man, you something. And we say, you think I'm something? You ought to see my shepherd. You think I'm something? You ought to see my master. Hallelujah. Any glory and blessing you see came from him. And I'm just reflecting off of me, but it's all from him. How can y'all do that? Well, we're kept. We're healed because we got a good shepherd. A good shepherd. Hallelujah. And he's still taking applications for the flock. When people really see that, it's the goodness of the Lord that leads men to repentance. When they really see this, they'll run and go, I want to be in the flock. Let me in the flock. Let me apply this on on a direct personal level. You want your church to have the reputation of taking care of its own. Hallelujah. You know, the New Testament commandment is to love one another. That's your fellow Christian. That's your brother and sister in the Lord. God does love the world. But our major obligation is not to the world. As far as monetary things are concerned. We have an obligation to preach the gospel to the world. And reach out to the world. But as far as taking care. Our first and primary thing should be our own. And if we did it right, it would make people want to join us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where people get the reputation, man, that's a family. And I'm telling you, they will take care of you. They will, and they'll help you with money. They'll help you with things. They'll stand, believe with you for your healing. Hallelujah. And if people really saw it, the reputation, the fame spreads abroad and people want to be a part. They want to get in where somebody really cares about them and will take care of them and help them. I know that's why a lot of you are here and that's why a lot more people will come as we grow in this and develop in this. Can you say amen? Amen. Said out loud, Jesus is my shepherd. And he's a good shepherd. Hallelujah. John 10, are you there? This whole chapter is talking about this. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He talks about a number of things. But down in verse uh, 10, John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill 
and to destroy, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Hallelujah. How many believe he is the good shepherd? If he'd give you his life, he'd give you a car. If he'd give you his life, he'd give the church whatever it needed. Building and lands and equipment. He'd give you a place to stay. Romans 8.32, if God spared not his own son. But delivered him up for us all or everyone. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If the Lord was ever going to hold something back from you, it would have been Jesus. But he gave him to us. Hallelujah. So don't you ever wonder that God would give you some material thing or natural thing. Certainly, certainly it's all minor, minor and small compared to what he's already given us in Jesus. And he's given us all things when he gave us Jesus. I am the good shepherd, he said. He said, the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, the devil never shows up to just while away time with you. He never shows up to just chat with you. I understand like there's some people, if you see them at your door, you know they want something. Because you never see them unless they want something. Now, if you've been that way, change. <laughs> the key to your changing is just the kind of things we're talking about, getting faith in God as your provider. And when you look into Him, you don't put pressure on people. You don't pull on people and look to them. But the devil, when he shows up, you know what he's there for. Is that right? What's he there for? He's wanting to steal something from you. Hmm? He's want, what is stealing? So all natural stealing is of the devil. God never inspired anybody to steal anything. I don't care what if somebody said, well, the Lord told me to do it. No, he did not. The Lord never told you to steal. Do, do you know, I heard about this some years ago. These guys robbed this place. And uh, just halfway around, you know, around the block, the police got them. And in the back seat, the, the leader of the guy said, I don't understand. We prayed and asked the Lord to help us. <laughs> Actually said that. <laughs> but the Lord helped the police to catch them. <laughs> but when the devil shows up, what's he got on his mind? He wants to steal something from you. He wants to kill something in your life. And he wants to destroy something. God's not in any of that. God is not in any destruction in your life. God is not in any killing in your life. We've already talked about death is not of him. And God has never stolen anything from you, and he never will. Never. All stealing is of the devil. All killing is of the devil. All destruction is of the devil. The thief, God's sure not the thief, is he? The thief doesn't come unless he's coming to steal, to kill, and destroy. Stealing is in the natural, spiritual and natural is the same thing. I mean, it's a violation. It's something that is yours and somebody takes it away from you. But Jesus said, I am come. Yeah, the devil, he may try to come, but Jesus has come. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more Abundantly. Now the word here, abundantly, and uh, more abundantly, is from the Greek word, I believe it's pronounced uh, parasos. 
And there's about four or five variations of this word. And it literally means superabundant. Superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. By implication, now get this, and this is out of Strong's, by implication, it means excessive. <laughs> now we get a lot of warnings about excess. But I want to pose a question to you and then answer it repeatedly from the Word of God tonight. Does God do excessive things? Does God get excessive? Is He into excess? <laughs> and yet, can you see what an aversion so many people have developed to that word? Just to hear the word, it makes a lot of people kind of cringe and draw up and go, Oh, excess. <laughs> well, what is excess? Excess is extra. Right? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Excess. Well, they're just into excess. We don't want to be into error, but we do want to be into excess. Amen? The Lord says, I am come that you might have life. It didn't stop there. And that you might have it more abundantly. Now, abundance, what does that mean? Abundance is not just enough. It's enough and then some more. Well, we said this word literally means super abundance. Well, if abundance is more than enough, what is super abundance? That have to be more than, more than enough. We're getting into excess here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody say excess. Woo, glory. I like it. Here's Thayer's definition of this same word, abundance, translated in the King James. It says, exceeding the measure or rank or need. Over and above, more than is necessary, super added. That's a word, isn't it? God didn't just add it to you, he super added Superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, superabundance, excess. Hallelujah. We've already talked about it this morning, how that in the 23rd Psalm that we all love and are so familiar with, the Lord is my shepherd. I have a lot of trouble. <laughs> I can barely make it from week to week. Huh? What does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. A good shepherd takes care of his sheep. Doesn't he? Now, be hooked with me. I know you are, but even a little more so here. Don't let these be just beautiful words that some of you have known since childhood. Is this God talking to us? Is this real? Is this the way our life is supposed to be? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Give me the next verse. What does he say? He leads me beside the still waters. Restores my soul. Let's, let's back up a little bit. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, I don't know if you know about livestock, but if sheep are laying down in the middle of the day, it's because their belly is so full, they can't eat anymore. <laughs> I 
Do you get the picture? We're talking about a good shepherd here. The Lord is my shepherd. And I don't want. He causes me to lay down. In green pastures. I've taken in all I can. But it's just so excessive. I'm laying on my side. In the green grass. is waving over my head. I can't eat no more. I got to wait a while. Before I can take any more in. And he leads me beside the still, cool, clean, fresh waters. He restores my soul. He prepares. We talked about that this morning. He prepares. Gets ready. Sees ahead and works out the details and prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What else? He anoints my head with oil and my cup. My cup. Is that in the Bible? Is that for us today? Are we to understand that this is how our God is right now, this month, the year 2000? Well, that's, that's excessive. Overflowing the cup. Wouldn't God know when the cup is full? I said, wouldn't God know? I mean, God's got to be smart. Wouldn't he know that this is all the cup will hold? No need putting any more in the cup because it's just going to spill out on the table. And it's going to fall out on the floor. But he didn't say my cup is full up to the rim. He said my cup runs over. Hope you're listening with your heart tonight, friend. We're talking about the nature of God. Men have said all manner of things about him, yea or nay, and some people have got some goofy ideas about it. But he is the way he's always been. And he's always been an excessive God. He could have made 12 stars. Astronomers tell us we can only see a very small fraction of what's out there. So, I mean, it it doesn't do much, much good to see them. But we don't have any clue as to how many stars and planets and suns and moons there are there. I mean, two or three different kind of trees would have got us by. (laughs) Huh? But no, we're still discovering new varieties of trees. If if God is the way some people say that he is and imply that he is, very, you know, and they would use the word conservative. But I'd use the word narrow and straightened and constricted. If God was really the way they leave the impression that he is, he'd only made three different kinds of flowers. And it would have been light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. But how many flowers are there? How many flowers and beautiful shades of color? I mean, there's no end to the beauty and diversity and splendor. I mean, it's just excessive. If God had been the way some people imply that he is, there'd only been three kinds of fish. It would have been small, medium, and large, and they'd all been light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. But we're still, those that do the research are still discovering all the time new species, new varieties of things. We're just beginning to understand the diversity, the richness 
of our glorious excessive. More than enough. God has never been into bare necessities. Never. Look at any of His creation. Look at His provision. Look at, we talked this morning about, He's gone to prepare a place for us. I guess a, a 10 by 12 room with a cot would have sufficed. How many would understand streets made of gold? Gates made of pearl? Walls made of, of precious jewels? I mean, people could get upset with you if you had a gold hubcaps on your car. I mean, that'd be talked about. That'd show up in the newspapers. Especially if you was a preacher. Preacher has gold-plated wheels on his car. But if you paved your drive out of 24 carat... Did you hear me? And made your garage door out of pearls. <laughs> and lined your window facings with diamonds, rubies, and emeralds. <laughs> you would only be imitating your father. <laughs> and yet, this kind of thing is people spit and cuss and get mad. I heard a guy on TV. This has just been a few months ago. This year. And he was talking about some minister that had a used Lexus. And another couple of things. And I don't know whether the guy was right or wrong. I don't know much about it. But he said, it ain't right. He said, don't you know, like the Bible says, that the minister is supposed to lay down with the lepers. <laughs> National TV. I heard him. I saw it. Don't you know, like the Bible says, these ministers got all this stuff. They're supposed to be laying down with the lepers. Quoted it like it was a scripture. So 50 years ago, that was this year on national TV. Have you ever read where God said, you know, be as broke as you can be, wallow in the dirt, get as sick as you can get? It glorifies me. I'm telling you, we still got a lot of mind renewal to undergo. We we got a ways to go. So when folk fuss and bicker and carry on about things that they do, they don't have a revelation of what kind of God we serve. He is the God of abundance. He is a God of excess, a God of too much. A God who will fill up the cup and not stop. I didn't make this up. I'm quoting scriptures, am I not? A God who will fill up the cup and just run it over all over the table in the floor. Hmm? My cup runneth over. <laughs> Do you like this or not? I like this. I like this. The devil hates it. He hates it. He wants you constricted and narrow and, and broke. He wants all the money. Because in this world, money is control and influence. You can do stuff in this world with money. He wants it all. He's a thief. I don't care if you got $2, he wants them. I'm telling you, he does. He wants your $2. And 50 cents. He wants it all. He's a thief. And his biggest weapon is his deception. The lies that he sold. And, you know, sadly, a lot of them come over the pulpit. Lies that have come to the people of God that they're not supposed to have anything. You know, well, God would supply your needs. 
but he didn't say anything about your wants. You ever heard people say that kind of stuff? That's unbiblical. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. And God won't give them to you because he won't give you your, your desires. No, you shall have them. So much of the church world is in confusion, is in darkness, is believing lies. They don't realize it, but they're letting envy infiltrate their thinking. But friend, we talked about it. Before there's going to be great changes in your checking accounts and in your investments and in your pocketbook, there's got to be breakthroughs on the inside of you. You've got to break loose from all this junky thinking. And you've got to realize that meeting your needs is nothing for God. That He wants to go beyond that. He wants to fill up the cup. He wants to run it off on the table. He wants to run it off out on the floor. He wants to run it out the door and down the sidewalk and out into the street. God's happy when people let him do that. He does not call it wasteful. He calls it abundance. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me to Luke, if you would. The sixth chapter. Hallelujah. How many understand there, there are things you know... But you know so much more about it. Maybe you've heard it. But you got to watch about things just being knowledge to you. Just things that you've logged in your mental library. If it's old to you, it's not real to you. If it's real and living inside you, you're excited about it. You're stirred up. And when you're excited, that's when it starts working for you. I know uh, as a Rhema student... In healing school. A friend of mine, I used to sit on the front row. It was on this side of the platform. We sat about these two rows from the end every day. And Brother Hagin was teaching during that time. And this particular day, we'd already had three classes in the morning. I already had a big Mexican lunch. It's, two, it's about 2.45 in the afternoon. And Brother Hagin is teaching line upon line. Not preaching fast or loud, just, you know, point by point. And I'm sure that we, our eyes were about half masked. I mean, we were sitting there, you know. <laughs> you, you've probably never been there, you know. But I was that day, and he was too. Next thing I know, he had come off the platform and was standing right in front of us. And he said, Get excited, boys. Get excited, boys. I mean, by this time, we must have come off the chair that high. We thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excited. He said, get excited, boys. It's when you get excited about the word that it works for you. And that is true, 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 so true. I don't care how many sermons you hear, how many services you go to, if it's just ho-hum, I've heard it before. It's not working in your life. It's not producing anything. When you really believe it, you really get in faith about it, you get excited. Excited. Hallelujah. It's the kind of excitement that not everybody shares. <laughs> you may run back to somebody that wasn't in the service and you go, hey, 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 glory to God. Let me tell you, let me tell you what pastor was talking about. I mean, he took this verse and he was talking about this and he said, you know, that God will do this for you. And they go, yeah, yeah, I know I've heard that. You go, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. See, the scripture says that if you do this, then the Lord will do that. They go, yeah, I know, I know I've heard that. You go, no, 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 no. You, you, you want to open their head up and stick it down in and go, get excited. Get but you can't. You can't do it for them. Nobody can do it for you. Oh, but when the Holy Ghost reaches inside you and turns the light on, revelation is there. Life is there. Faith is there. You get excited. You'll begin to be a doer of the word, and you will get results. Things will happen in your life every time, every time. 
Every time. Luke 6, are you there? Everybody say running over. Luke 6, verse 30. Give to every man that asks of you, of him that takes, and, and of him that takes away your goods, ask him not again. How could you be like that? Unless you know there's a lot more where this came from. <laughs> huh? Unless you know God's an excessive God. He'll give me five more. The reason people have trouble turning loose of things, whether it's God dealing with them to give, or, you know, how many understand the Bible told us not to go to law against brother? Rather, let yourself be defrauded. And that's a scripture a lot of people don't even want to look at. They think, well, I got my rights. Bless the Lord. Try to get the Lord in on it. But a lot of times walking in love would mean let them have it. Yeah, but it's $40,000. That belongs to me. I have a right to that. You know, I mean, if God deals with you in a service and it's offering time and you think about what I should give and you got, you know, a little bill and a medium-sized bill, and a big bill. And let's say on this occasion, the Lord dealt with you to give the big bill. Somebody said, well, that's the only one he would ever deal with you to give. Not so. Mm-mm, I, don't, I don't agree with that. You know, whatever he deals with you to do. It's not always the biggest thing that you got. But let's say on this occasion it was. So many times, the first thing that people ask them, so they look at it and they go, hmm, now, what have I got coming up this week? <laughs> Did the Lord say, give that if you decide that it's okay with what you got? No, no. He never tells you to do something if it's convenient, if it's a good time. No, no. He just deals with you. He already knows all that. A lot of times people, they'll they waver and they'll think and they'll... Get the, get the little bill. Because, man, I got, I got to pay this by Wednesday, and I got this coming up Friday. And they put the little bit in. And miss God on some things. Because God knew what you are going to need later. He's wanting to have you in good shape. He's the God of preparation. He, and he wants to have a legal right to have you fully set up for whatever's coming up. But why didn't you do that, you see? Well, because... The person was not fully convinced that God could get it back to them by the time they're going to need it. So it's got nothing to do with lack of money. It's lack of faith. That's why people don't tithe. It's got nothing to do with money. It's got nothing to do with what you've got and don't have. It's all based on faith or lack thereof. People talk about, well, I can't afford to. It's got nothing to do with that. It has to do with your faith. If you grow in these things, God's going to deal with you. I mean, we've given away cars. We've given away, Phyllis has given away fur coats and diamond rings. Things that were some of your very most valuable possessions. I had a couple of things. I had a jet ski that I had just gotten and gotten paid for. It was my toy. And I had had it but a few months. God dealt with me, so it. To this pastor. And I could do it easily. Now I didn't just start with this last year. We've been growing in this for a while. But why, why could I do it easily? Because I knew I'd probably have a new one time springtime came around. And I'm not going to be riding much in the winter anyway. Did you hear me? When you know that God is a great God and a faithful God and He wants you to have it and, he, and He's excessive, then you can turn loose of things. Just let them go. I said you can just let them go. And I'm giving you a great truth here now. The easier it is for you to let it go, the easier it is for God to get it to you. The harder it is, for you to turn it loose, your hand gets cramped when you're trying to write the check. 
You put it in, it won't turn loose from your hand. Your wife said, quit that, put that in a bucket. And then you watch it all the way down the road. You're thinking, man, I could have used that. I could have used For all the good it's doing you, you should have kept it. Now, I'm not just making stuff up as I go along. This is scripture. So why would you say that? It's not enough. Some people have left the idea that if, if us ministers or whoever would just shake the people long enough till the money falls out, that they'd just kind of be blessed in spite of themselves. It's not true. In this new covenant, your heart is the thing that God is looking at. And if you don't do it in faith, it's not pleasing to God. That's why he loves a cheerful giver. Because if you're giving gladly, money's going away from you and you're happy. You're in faith. Is that right? You've got to be in faith. <laughs> you can't do that unless you have faith. But he goes on down, verse 31, and as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Verse 36, be merciful as your father's merciful. Judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Are you seeing the law of sowing and reaping here? Hmm? Whatever you sow, whether it's judgment or or friendship, or, or condemnation, or kindness, or forgiveness, or whatever, you, you'll reap. And verse 38, what does it say? Give, and it shall be given to you the exact amount you gave. Huh? How many believe that when you give, whether you give in the offering, whether you give to the poor, whether you give to anybody, brother or sister or person on the street, how many believe that when you give, you've done a good thing and the Lord's happy and you'll get some reward in heaven, but it's just gone. That's the end of that. Do you believe that? A lot of Christians do. I mean probably the mass of Christianity. Believe that, that when you give, that's it. You know, God's happy with you and you'll get some reward when you get to heaven, but that's the end of that. But how many believe that that's not what the Scripture teaches? The Scripture teaches seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. That when you plant seed, you can and should expect a harvest and a return. How many believe that? Is it true? Well, then, is it an exact return of what you sowed? Is it? Can you expect the approximate same exact amount? That you gave. According to this, give. And what will happen? It shall be given to you. Good measure. Press down. You take the basket and shake it. Shaken together and what? <laughs> and what? Tell me one more time and. Well, now. Wouldn't God know when the basket's full? This sounds excessive to me. Back up to the fifth chapter. Hallelujah. Luke 5 verse 1, it came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He, Jesus, stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, and the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. They're at the end of their work day, and they're getting their equipment ready to go to the house. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. Now, apparently he had some conversation with him, if you read the other accounts. The crowd was pressing upon him, and they just keep pushing in, and he's backed up to the water, and he's got nowhere to go, and the people in the back can't see him. So he looks around, and he doesn't really know these guys at this time. But he says, uh, you know, to Peter, is that your boat? He said, yeah. Now remember, these guys have been working all day long. It's like anybody else. They're tired, and it wasn't a good day. They didn't make any money today. I know you're not happy when you work hard all day and make no money. 
And they just about got all the equipment put up, and he's ready to go to the house and get something to eat and go to bed. Hmm? It's like anybody else. And here's a preacher <laughs> with this mass crowd around him. And Jesus says, you know, is that your boat? He said, yeah, it's my boat. He said, could I use it? Could you, you know, let me use it to push out from the bank here and preach off of it? I understand that in today's society, a lot of people would have said, look, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm tired and I don't even know what y'all doing out here. Hmm? Y'all could be some cult for all I know. Huh? Oh, but it's the wise man and woman that know their time of visitation and know what's among them and around them. And when the Lord asks you for something, you better realize that this is a wonderful opportunity to invest. Because God never, ever used anything of anybody's without blessing them. So he said, uh, yeah, okay. Well, he knows he's got to stay there with his equipment and all that stuff. So Jesus pushes out. Let's read. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. Prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. So Simon's in the boat. He's got it out so that they could see him. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So Peter hears the message. And when he had left speaking, he got through. He said, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Now he's been up all night. He just got his nets and equipment clean and put up. Now he stayed out here another two or three hours with this preacher. Now he wants to go fishing. (laughs) And Peter said, Master, that's respectful, so he must have enjoyed his sermon. We have toiled all night and taken nothing. The fish just ain't around. Nevertheless, oh, I'm so glad he said that. At your word, I will let down the net. Now, here's a whole other message. I can't get into this tonight. But, friend, it's not only important for you to know when to sow. It's important for you to know when to reap. Peter was sensitive and responsive to sow. He sowed his boat. He sowed what he had. But now when the Lord says, all right, now get up and do this. See, he didn't know it, but there's reaping at the end of this obedience. So, yeah, you got to sow and obey God, but then you got to obey him when he says, all right, now go invest in this. Now, now open another branch over here. Did you hear me? Let down, see, a lot of people out of fear, well, I just don't know. The economy's like this, and I'm just not so sure, and don't know it, but they missed a catch. God was trying to get them to reap something. He, he had a harvest there for them. But what if, what if Peter had said, no, no, look, I'm tired. I enjoyed your sermon, preacher. But look, I, I've, just, I've got my stuff clean, and it's all put up. And I don't, if I get it out again, then I'm going to have to clean it up again. And we already know there ain't no fish out there. We worked all night. Reasoning. Fatigue of the flesh talking. How many understand even when you're tired, you need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? So he said, nevertheless, I don't feel like it. Don't seem like it's going to do any good. But at your word, because you said so, let's go. So they went out. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And throughout the net, fish began to hit it. They begin to jump and they're going, whoo, look at the fish. All right, let her out some more, let her out some more. Here the fish begin to hit the net, hit the net. I mean, this thing is swaying and bulging out and pulling the boat over that way. And, and they go, all right, let's, let's get some more. And after a while they begin to say, uh, 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 get the net in, get the net in. It's breaking. Threads begin to go, Boing, boing, boing. Uh, get the net in. Get for some, before some more fish get in. And it tore their net up. It broke their net. Who did that? <laughs> 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 
Wouldn't God know? (laughs) Wouldn't God know when the net was full? Wouldn't he know? And say, that's enough fish? I almost want to say, God can't help himself. Now, I don't know if that's, that's a good way to say it. But I'm telling you, God just, he loves this. When he starts blessing, you just better hold on. He wants to bless until it's running over. Until things are breaking it to see. That's, that's what pleases him. That's what blesses him. Wouldn't he know that the net's going to break? Well, it ain't his fault the net's so small. (laughs) He just sent the blessing. If they can't receive it, that's their problem. So, they beckoned to their partners that were in the other ship. They're out on the bank there with their ships, and they're going, hey, hey, hey. So they could see them jumping up and down in the boat. They could see all these fish flopping up and down. And they said, whoa, whoo, look at these fish. Come on, get your boat, get your nets. Get over here, man. They're hitting. So they came over. And they came, and they filled both the ships. So that they began to sink. <laughs> They're so excited. <laughs> the net's breaking. So the other guys come and throw their nets out. They fill up. So they're pulling them out and putting them in the boat. Pulling them out and putting in the boat. Pulling them out and putting them They're excited. Pull them out and putting in the boat. And one of the guys speak up and says, hey guys, hey, 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 hey. Don't put no more fish in this boat. <laughs> hey. <laughs> We're taking on water. <laughs> you got the edge of the boat down to the water level. Wouldn't God know (laughs) when there's too many fish? Ain't his fault the boat's so small. (laughs) Is God a God of abundance? Is he a God of excess? Too much? He is. I said he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the ninth chapter, I think we'll close with this. Hallelujah. I said, I think. Luke 9. Glory to God. Verse 10, Luke 9 10. The apostles. When they returned, told him all that they had done, and they took him and went aside privately to a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. The people, when they knew it, they followed him, and they received them and spake to them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. How many believe he's a healing God? And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve, and they said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals, for we're here in a desert place. Ain't no grocery stores out here. But he said to them, You give them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. I guess they could have. They must have had some money. Why bring it up? If you don't have any money. For they were about 5,000 men. And he said, of course this didn't count the women and children. He said to his disciples, make them sit down by fifties in a company. Faith gets ready. I said, faith gets ready. Do you understand at this moment, there's nothing to feed these people. But he says, y'all go on and sit down and get ready to eat. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes and looked up to heaven and he blessed them. Now, this is another, another message. Maybe we'll get into some of this before the week's over. But the key to all these miracles is seed. And the key here is you've got to uh, esteem the seed. In another account, you know, when they talked about this, uh, he asked them to go and see what they had. And they said, this is all we got. What is that among so many, John's account said. But see, that's the problem. Ill-esteeming and lightly-esteeming seed. 
People think, well, I, all I got is five dollars. All I got is ten. All I got is this dress. All I've got is this watch. All I've got is, yeah, but if it's seed and God's dealing with you to sow it, hallelujah, and you'll hold it up and let him bless it. It's the key to your miracle. Hallelujah. And this little boy turned loose of this. And he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples to set before the multitude. They did eat and were all filled. And they were taken up of the fragments that remained to them. Twelve baskets. Didn't God know when to stop? Didn't God know when the people were full? I want you to think about the miracle that happened here today in in this multiplication. This little boy, the word here is for lad, which meant he would have been anywhere from 8 to 12, 13 years old. Not Not a child, not a teenager. He had a lunch that his mama packed him. I understand this is not some huge thing. Any, probably anywhere from half a pound to a pound. We're talking about a few fish sticks. Right? What would you pack for an eight-year-old boy? You, you're not going to put a, a suitcase of stuff. And the disciples are going through going, who's got any food? Who's got any food? And this little boy goes... And uh, they said, Jesus would like to have it. Now, what would the papers do with that? They said, people make fun of all this. And they go, you've got to be kidding. Jesus wouldn't take a little boy's lunch. He did. I said, he did. He sure did. Then they said, Jesus would like to have it. And he must have smiled and said, okay. What if he'd been selfish? What if he'd said, no. My mama packed this for me. You can't have it. But he gave it to him. Now, a hungry man, if he's real hungry, he could eat two pounds of food. Easily. And 5,000 times the women and the children. We don't know. There could have been a lot more women and children than men. We don't know. But just an approximate figure. We wind up with a half pound to a pound. If it was a half pound, it was like thirty to 40,000 fold multiplication. Forty thousand fold. That's excessive. And how many would understand and think and assume it was the little boy's lunch? He sowed it. Who should the twelve baskets have been? Now let's stop here. The Lord used Peter's boat. If material sowing and reaping was not important to the Lord, he would have just said, Thank you, Peter. You'll be rewarded when you get to heaven. And he would have walked away. And that's the way many people portray him. He did not. I said he did not. He didn't leave that shore until that man, his partners, and all his friends had more than they could haul in. Has he changed? Is he different today? Does he still bless materially in a multiplied way, in an excessive way? Yes, Yes, he does. These baskets, if you look up the words, you'll find it's the same word for basket that was used in the book of Acts where they let the apostle Paul down over the wall in a basket. Basket big enough for a man to fit in. There are 12 of these. And it come off the little boy's seed that he sowed. And if these baskets, and this is conservatively speaking, 
If he, if he just had 40 pounds of food in each one of these big baskets, it would be 500 pounds times two for his half pound seed would mean he took home a thousand fold. His mama kissed him on the cheek and said, baby, you know, be back before such and such time. Here's your lunch. And so he took his Flintstones lunchbox and he went and he got involved in this big crowd and sat and heard Jesus teach for all this time. And when he finally did come back home, his lunchbox was empty, but he had 12 big men following him with great big baskets on. And he said, Mama, Mama, look. (laughs) Wouldn't God know when the people were full? Why didn't he just stop it right there? It's already been multiplied 30,000 fold. Everybody's full. Everybody's happy. Everybody's rubbing their stomach. But does God quit? No. The fish keeps multiplying. The bread, we got a whole huge basket full. And then they got to, they said, we'll get another basket. And they filled it up to the brim. We'll get another basket. And they filled it up to the brim. Well, where's another basket? When they filled it up to the brim. He said, we need some more baskets. So they filled another one up. And they filled another one up. Then 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 they filled another one up. They filled another one up. The twelve baskets I want you to know no matter what unbelieving theologians have stated no matter what kind of things have been proposed that God was narrow and God was so ultra conservative that he didn't want you to have anything and just enough is enough for you it ain't Bible it's not the God of Abraham It's not the God of the Old Testament. It's not the God of the New Testament. I read about a God who is a cup running over. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Net breaking, ship sinking, 12 baskets left over, God of excess. Stand on your feet and praise. you Lord say it again say it again he's a cup running over net breaking ship sinking 12 basket left over too much excessive God <laughs> hallelujah This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.